It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the Deputy Editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now from our Editor-in-Chief Al Sanasiri's office is Al Sanasiri. How are you doing? Good. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm also happy to be joined here by our Executive Editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hey, guys. Feels like it's it's been a while since we've done this. <laughs> it has. We took a little, uh, you know, summer break. I don't know about you guys, uh, feeling relaxed, feeling rested, feeling ready for an all-star break. Uh, let's, let's just get right into it. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I was actually asked by someone the other day, uh, you know, hey, you guys take off for the all-star break? And I was like, we actually have a pretty massive deadline this year during the all-star break. I think that uh, it will be something less than a holiday for us. Yeah, it's a weird schedule this year for us um, with the just the way the home games fell and where the all-star break is and with august beginning august one in the middle of a homestand uh it's definitely a tight turnaround and uh a good challenge for us but we're up for it i think i hope we're always up for it i don't remember the last time or i don't think there's been a time since i've been in baseball it's two decades where the all-star game has been this late in the month i'm not sure it has been yeah but that is a good uh, segue to get into this episode because we are going to talk about two of the Yankees so far, I should say, six All-Stars. You never know who might be added, but we have stories on the July issue, which went on sale this past Tuesday, finally. Uh, you know, the, the July home slate started a little later this year than usual, but finally our really awesome July issue with All-Star Aaron Judge is on the cover. So, Nate, we're going to discuss your story. And, of course, inside also we have a really cool Q&A with, I don't know, I think it's pretty safe to say, at worst, one of the two best stories of the Yankee season, uh, Jose Trevino, uh, another Yankees all-star. We had Nestor on our cover last month. So, yeah, I think we're taking care of the uh, pretty big, uh, incredible stories. Nate, you're currently working on a story that involves Clay Holmes. Uh, Al, you'll certainly be talking to Clay Holmes when you're in the all-star game in L.A. So, no shortage of coverage in the July issue and beyond about Yankees All-Stars, but for this episode, let's let's focus just really specifically on Judge and Trevino. We've been uh, fortunate enough to do several cover stories on Aaron Judge ever since he broke into the majors back in 2016, and uh, you know I had the privilege of writing this one, which was a whole lot of fun. It's different. It's not our typical look at what Aaron Judge is doing on the field uh, in-season story. Quite the opposite. It's here's Aaron Judge looking at what the Yankees have done on the field in their history. And Nate, you didn't take Aaron uh, down a little memory lane chat in the clubhouse. You literally uh, walked alongside him as you guys went to truly look at, touch. And I think what comes through is really reckon with and, you know, think about Yankees history over the course of this incredible story. Yeah. So I just got the idea in my head that it, it might be cool, you know, during this amazing historic season that Aaron Judge has, has been producing so far. Uh, to in the midst of that 
take a walk up to the Yankees Museum, which is you know up a few levels from the Yankees clubhouse, and uh, just spend some time up there with him and look at some of the stuff on display because there is a, a bounty of remarkable items uh, on display there. So uh, you know we did a little private tour uh just aaron and i and brian richards the museum curator and ari goldman hecht our uh, photographer was there to snap some photos and um it went really well i mean aaron was was into the idea as soon as i kind of proposed it to him so we spent i don't know probably close to 45 minutes up there one day just kind of going through and looking at some of the, the artifacts and and just talking about his experiences as a yankee i mean it's been uh a long time now since he was drafted back in 2013 and he, he's had a, a remarkable career and uh, there, there's a lot to discuss. I think this would have been a special story the way that you did it at any time in Aaron Judge's career because of what he's been able to accomplish to this point. Obviously this year it's a spectacular story to say nothing of how great the writing was and the, and the photographs and how unique they were. Can you share a little bit about what his mood was like holding Babe Ruth's bat. Was he in awe? Was he, did he feel that it was as special, for instance, as so many of the other people who've gotten the opportunity to do that? Obviously, he might be linked with Babe Ruth someday. He is certainly in terms of what, you know, just being a great slugger, uh, no matter how many home runs he hits this year in his career. But what was the mood like, particularly from him? Yeah, I think, you know, there was a true appreciation there for the players that have come before him in Yankees history and you know the one of the exhibits that's on display right now is Yankees by the numbers so there's a lot of like placards uh highlighting some of the you know records in franchise history and things like you know 56 for DiMaggio's hit streak and and that sort of stuff and Aaron Judge unlike maybe some other ball players is truly a fan of the game you know some guys are just so focused on their they see it as their job and it's you know it's something that you work at and you come to work every day and Aaron still has that that little kid in him you know that grows up going to ball games and let me interrupt you he's the biggest little kid I've ever seen <laughs> for starters <laughs> that may be true but you know that that passion that we all had when we were you know 10 11 12 years old and you know collecting baseball cards and trying to get players autographs and things like that I mean he was that kid and he still has that love for the game inside him so when it was presented to him you know the opportunity to do things like hold the glove that Mickey Mantle wore while he played center field at Yankee Stadium back in 19. 19- 63 or the bat that Babe Ruth used at the polo grounds in 1922 it was moving to him in a way you know you could see in his face like he just really took a moment to examine them and hold them and I I tried to relay that emotion in my story and it was really clear I mean again we've it's sometimes hard to have these conversations because the one thing that the three of us share is we know what it's like to talk to Aaron Judge. And obviously, he's this huge guy, but he's genial. He's not larger than life in a lot of ways. He kind of talks to you very much at your level, despite being six seven. But, Nate, everything you're saying just rings so true to me from my experiences with him. What, when you, obviously, the touching and the tangible aspects of this history, you know, are, are, are fascinating things to think about. I'm curious, what sense did you get of how much he knew versus how much was totally new to him in this experience? I don't know. I mean, it was kind of kind of hard to tell. I mean, I wasn't up there to like quiz him on his For Yankees sure. knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting it like that. What was his grade in Yankees <laughs> acumen? But I mean, 
look, we, we've known this for a long time. Like, Aaron likes to have fun. Like, you know, he comes to work with a smile every day. He likes to interact with people. Um, you know, I mean, I think back to the, I think the first cover story I did with him anyway was, you know, walking around this stadium with him and Ronald Torres. And like, they ended <laughs> up like swapping jerseys and he squeezed into Torres's number 74 jersey. And like, it was just a fun afternoon and it made for a great story. So, you know, I kind of, presented this one the same way a, a little bit i just said you know this might be a fun way to just do an interview rather than sitting in front of your locker or, or sitting in the dugout or something and he was all for it and uh you know i'm just glad it worked out i mean uh, throughout it you know i kind of always had in the back of my mind you know our readers getting this issue in the mail and opening it up and seeing this picture of him holding babe ruth's bat during this season that he's having uh i just feel like people will get a kick out of it and i, I think he understood that too from the beginning did he talk at all about the pressures um or that guys who you know we've we've talked about just now babe ruth and roger maris mickey mantle guys who have you know also been on historic home run chases but also you know particularly mantle and maris went through you know pressure packed (laughs) months let's say Aaron Judge has 30 home runs as we're recording this, and it's prior to the All-Star game. Did he shed any light on how he's feeling this year? And did you guys talk at all about the kind of the legends of, of 61 and, 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 of course, 1927? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the way I kind of approached it was, you know, I did some, some pre-interview uh, scouting and, and viewed the display and, and kind of thought about, you know, what I wanted to ask him at each stop along the way. Um, and yeah, when we got to the the section where they, you know, show Mantle and Maris's items from the 60s and you see that number 61 displayed very prominently up top there. And of course, you know, I imagine when, uh, when Aaron gets to Dodger Stadium for the All-Star Game, plenty of writers during that media scrum are going to be asking him about, can he break it and that sort of thing. So, you know, I asked him just point blank kind of, you know, do you ever think about that number, 61? And he said, not at all, not at all. <laughs> and that was the shortest answer he gave the whole time because everything else he really expanded on quite a bit. And um, But, uh, you know, beyond that, I think what is interesting to me is that there's just such a striking similarity between uh, the, the Mantle and Maris and Judge and Giancarlo Stanton in that you got, you know, two just, top tier sluggers one of them the homegrown guy who fans have watched grow up before their eyes the other comes from out of town and different sort of pressure on him but you know he says he doesn't think about that number but uh we did get into a a lot more depth about you know having stanton on his side and in his corner and just how beneficial it has been to have him as a teammate these last few years and you know he knows that if come uh, late September, he's up in the upper 50s, uh, he's going to have a teammate by his side who n- knows what that pressure feels like and is able to support him uh, in any way possible. I think it's absolutely amazing that he's got 30 home runs and he literally has never thought about hitting 60 or 60. That's amazing. I think, I think it's literally it's amazing, amazing, amazing that, you thing. Be- that you believe him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, for our, our listeners... Uh, I am joking. Uh, John might not believe that I am, but I, I am joking. Uh, but, you know, it's it's funny how 
you know, even when he goes to bed at night, he doesn't even think about it for a second. He goes into his uh, HBO Max library, sees the movie 61. He's like, what is this? Yeah. (laughs) What happened in 1961? It must have been something, you know, relating to politics or something, I guess. (laughs) So, So, Nate, the other day... They had, they had actually a great to hear at Yankee Stadium. The team was on the road, and they let us bring our kids in and everything like that. I brought my 7-year-old daughter and my 10-year-old son, and it was really just an awesome thing that you know we got to do. And one of the things they had was they brought us to the museum. And it really occurred to me that I just don't take nearly enough advantage of that museum. It's really fantastic what is there and what you can look at. And honestly, and I don't mean this in any way as a knock, like how small it is and how, and how easily accessible it is. It's not something that you need to set aside an afternoon for and miss four innings for. You can literally go between innings kind of and, and spend maybe like the third or fourth inning there and that's it. But the things that you get to see, it, it's, it's very accessible and it's very easy to make sense of something that's actually not easy to make sense of, which is this crazy dominance that this team had, you know? And, and so for me, I haven't had a chance yet to take my kids to Cooperstown and I really want to, but my God, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the hours in the car and getting a hotel and everything like that. And then compare that to Friday morning, you know, they came to work with me Friday morning, but anyone coming to the stadium this week or any other homestand can do it. And you just go there and you really just get such an incredible sense of context for what it is you're watching during that game and why what you're watching during that game might matter because you know we've tried to find a lot of different ways to say this in captions and in social media uh teases for this judge story but the reality is it's not like you took just any player there you took a player there who is bound to feature in that museum at some point in the not too distant future and it makes it very real not just bound to but sure he's currently featured yes, yes yeah. exactly he does it makes it very real and i, and I I really just felt like as I was walking through this with my kids and I'm wondering how often you guys go or if you were thinking this neat when you were doing the story, it's just like, why haven't I brought them here all the time? Why don't I go here all the time? And just, it's very strange to me because it's really wonderful. And, and I should point out, it's free. If you are in the stadium, it's free. You don't need to buy a ticket into this museum. You literally can walk into the museum at any point during the game, during batting practice, whatever you're here for, the museum's free. Once you're here, go to the museum. Yeah, it's it's loaded with incredible stuff. I mean, if you're a Yankee fan or a baseball fan, uh, it is time well spent in there. The the most the one I always point to, the one that I just sit and stare at like I'm looking at you know a Van Gogh or something, is the jersey that Babe Ruth wore when he called his shot in the 1932 World Series. Like that's just it's mind blowing to sit there and think that. That's what he was wearing when he did that, you know, or didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, the funny thing is, that's exactly that's such a great point to make, though, because look, what, what's the joy of the call shot in the you know, baseball circles is it's let's debate this. You know, how many things can we really debate? We can debate the call shot. Who knows what happened? Well, you know, was it this? Was it that? You know, whatever. One thing we do know, though, is that's what he was wearing. Like, that, that's a real piece of that moment. Yeah. And it's not up for debate. It's not up for argument. It's that that is what he was wearing. And I think the great thing about the called shot i i funny enough i was sitting here just a second ago looking at the home run edition of yankees magazine that we did several years ago and i think we published somewhere in that publication 10 of the most iconic home runs that yankees players have ever hit and i don't remember off the top of my head if that was number one number three whatever it was but part of what makes it so iconic and, and adds to the lore was whether it happened or didn't happen. But either way, that home run is still one of the most famous home runs. Maybe the most famous home yeah, run. Yeah, the home run happened. Yeah, the home run. That's, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. the ball left the building, uh, left the field. 
and it's for that reason, uh, for the suspense and the mystery of it, one of the most famous home runs, if not the most famous home run in baseball history. That's pretty special. And that jersey being there, if you come to Yankee Stadium from out of town or you're here, you know, you're in New York, you're in New Jersey, Connecticut, whatever, that adds quite a bit to the experience of coming to a baseball game. Yeah, so that one's in an exhibit called Bronx Bombers. And on display uh, in that case are five jerseys from left to right. Number three, number seven, number nine, you know, Maris, number 44 for Reggie. And then the last one is number 99. And so Aaron caught a glimpse of that, and he's like, what's that last one doing in there? <laughs> That's a real mustache. I know it was cool. It was cool to think about, like you know, it would have been fun to do this story in you know 1961 with Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, but uh, here we are in 2022, and our center fielder is making some history of his own, and uh, I'm certainly glad that he was he was game for this story. Well, it's it's a fantastic story, Nate. It's called Might at the Museum. I think, as always. All, all these things we do are, are really collaborative in terms of what we try to do with the stories, but also the art we're able to put together. And this is just such a great example because the photos that we have in here, the smile and, and the wonder you see Aaron looking at all these items he's holding or standing in front of, I think that does such a good job of conveying the same thing that you're trying to get across in the story. So Ari did a tremendous job too. And, and John, I would just add really quickly uh, about the photography with this story. You know, the, the cover image, I, I have a feeling that some of our older readers, our longtime Yankees fans, might be able to identify where the inspiration for the cover photo came from. Yeah, you're right, though, Nate. It, it is a great throwback there. It is a great uh, look at, you know, the bats and, and everything like this. So I hope everyone will pick it up. I hope everyone will come out to Yankee Stadium for the second half be, to watch Aaron Judge continue to pursue new marks that will someday be in that museum and while you're here certainly make sure you stop in the museum yourself we're going to take a quick break when we come back we are going to talk about a very very different all-star that the yankees have this year jose trevino and the q a that you were able to do with him now so stick with us hi this is aaron judge you're listening to the yankees magazine podcast Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I would say before we get into our second story about Jose Trevino, we should point out, obviously, guys, it's Hope Week. And I know this is always 
one of my favorite things that the Yankees do. It is, I think we say this every year on the podcast. I've certainly said it to everyone this year, as always. It is just an incredible amount of work that our PR department all takes on in the midst of everything else they're doing during the year. But it's really just a wonderful time to be part of the Yankees family, to see it's the work that the players and the work that the front office gets to do in the community this week. And uh, I hope that you guys have gotten to enjoy reading about the things this year and participating in the things. And I hope that all of our listeners and readers will look forward to reading about it in our August issue, but also have been following along on social media and on MLB.com this week because there's just some amazing stuff that happens every year and this year is no different. Absolutely. It's a special week. And when you hear about some of the amazing people and some of the things that the people who are involved in Hope Week, uh, the, some of the things they've gone through and overcome, it's it's sometimes more much more inspiring than the things that, that happen on the field. It's uh, It's a great thing. For sure. But obviously, we are a baseball podcast, and it's easy also to you know transition from there to you know an inspiring thing that happens on the baseball field, and that is <laughs> every single bloody thing that Jose Trofino has done so far this year. Because I think that we uh, maybe you know got caught unawares a little bit because we all got caught up in the Nestor Cortez story, and then come zooming down the next track was Jose Trevino, all-star Jose Trevino. What, what an amazing story. Al, before the all-star announcement, before he booked his ticket to LA, you were able to sit down with him to talk about what has just been, I, I, I don't just want to say amazing because it sounds easy, but it really has been amazing, but it's also just been so emotional. Yeah, it, it has been. You know, If you had uh, asked me in spring training if I was going to do a story on Jose Trevino, I, you know, I... I, I can't imagine I would have thought that I would be doing so. If you would have asked me in spring training if I was not only going to do a story on him, but that I would learn that he was one of the more special players that I've ever sat down with, I would have told you you were crazy. I sat down with him for almost an hour in the dugout at Yankee Stadium. When it was over, I sent my wife a text and said, this is literally one of the most special people that I've sat down with in terms of the compassion that he had for other people, for his teammates, the just the respect and love that he has for his family, in particular his late father, and his willingness to, to make me feel those things about him, which means that he was that passionate about this story. That was an amazing, again, to, to use another, to, to continue to use an overused word. He was amazing in the interview. And I was just really inspired, you know, a few days before that with kind of the backstory of his May 24th game. And, uh, and that kind of compelled me to really want to do a story on him. So obviously that May 24th game, May 24th, was just a really difficult day in uh, so many, so many different reasons. It's, it's such an important day. Al, why don't you just walk us through everything that you know? It, it is in the Q and A, but just what made this all so special and so meaningful as it happened. Yeah, well, for him, he kind of realized as he got going that morning that it was, um, it would have been his father's 69th birthday, and it kind of became well documented that night. And, and in subsequent days, that he had a really special relationship with his father. His father was his best friend. He was somebody who really propelled Jose to become 
the man he is and the baseball player he is. And by the way, his father was also this, <laughs> you know, really, really diehard Yankees fan in, in Texas. And um, really, I think, gave his son a, a, an understanding of Yankees history and, and made him a fan just through just being his son. So, you know, one thing when I sat down with him, I, I didn't realize that kind of he didn't know that morning that it was his father's birthday, but he he pulled out a, a coffee mug that he had got on eBay that was a replica of his father's favorite coffee mug with a Mickey Mantle rookie card on on the mug. And that kind of made him think, hey, what's today? May 24th. It's his, you know, his father's birthday. And in that game, he hits his first home run as a Yankee. And then, of course, in the 11th inning, hits a walk, gets a walk-off single in this very, very emotional game. But in between the morning and, you know, however many hours later at 11 o'clock at night when the game ended, uh, unfortunately, there was yet another tragic shooting in the United States, this one being the school shooting in Ovalde, Texas, where, you know, 19 children were were murdered. And he is the father of a young boy. He's also from Texas um, and really spoke about his love for his state, his home state. And and that hit him especially hard. And, and he qualified it with, you know, not that he's not compassionate or heartbroken by the multitude of other shootings that have happened this year, but that one really hit home and, and made for an especially emotional day. And he, you know, one thing that really resonated with me was that he, he truly struggled to get focused on playing a baseball game that night. Um, that kind of spoke volumes of how affected he was and really needed to kind of lean on advice from his father of how to get focused. And, and I said, well, what, what did you do? And he said, well, one thing my dad told me at a young age was that he believed that I would become a major league baseball player. And when I did to always sign autographs and always give kids my autograph. So he kind of disappeared and signed autographs for 15 minutes or so. And that was what kind of helped him get focused on the game. And, you know, in doing the interview, there were just so many pieces to this conversation you know, that resonated with me and that were heartfelt. And that was just one of them. I think I've said it before, Al, like the best part of this job oftentimes is the people you get to meet and the people you get to speak to and the conversations that if you didn't do this job, you might otherwise never have and couldn't even imagine having. Um, you know, I think we're so lucky to meet people from every corner of the earth and everybody has a different story. And uh, when you meet somebody like Jose Trevino, who's you know, willing to just open up like that. Uh, it's something you never forget. The The quote of the month this, this month in the July magazine also has to do with him because Susan Waldman felt the same way. Like during one of his, I mean, there's, it's almost countless at this point, big hits that he's had for the Yankees this season. Um, and just knowing his whole story, she's like, Hey man, if you don't love this guy, you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's kind of true. I mean, it's, He's just he's such a uh, a special guy and a special ball player and it's astounding to think of what he's meant to this team. Well, first of all, I agree with her. <laughs> I mean, if you were a fly on the wall when I spoke to him or probably a lot of other people and you didn't have respect for him or you didn't like him, yeah, I don't I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> I mean, if you're a decent human being, like it's literally impossible, I think. I mean, I, I I'm not saying I'm his best friend or I know him so well or whatever, but in the in the meetings like that or instances like that, it's it, it he's absolutely captivating. But when you talk about what he's done this year, 
you know, this is somebody who's in the minor leagues for five years. It was a long road just to get to the majors. And then when he got to the majors, he was kind of scratching and clawing to stay in the majors. And finally broke through a little bit as a part-time catcher, you know, last year. To think that he's an all-star, he talks about it a lot, but it maybe there's something to it. You know, there's he's getting a little help maybe from his dad, and maybe there's just this tremendous dose of fate that's kind of intervened in his life here this year. And I'm not, you know, one to always or really rarely ever say that that's the case, but he's either playing, you know, way above his head and, you know, he's the most motivated person in, in sports right now, which might be the case, but it might be that with, you know, with a little something else and either way, whatever it is, it's, he's really deserving of all the success and and it's really fun to, to be around and to watch and to talk to him about. There's so much different stuff that goes into who is and who isn't an all-star and i think that it's a a bad road to go down necessarily to to read too much into it because you know a lot of times it's just a numbers crunch a lot of times it's you know you need this guy from this team whatever does that that doesn't take anything away from what somebody else did that year so you know again you take everything i'm about to say with something of a grain of salt but at the same time the all-star game is you know, right around the middle of the season, it is a good time to take account of a year in a sense. And I think that the Yankees' six all-star representatives are just so remarkably indicative of what this team is. Because, you know, on the one side of this, you have Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, those guys, you start any season, pencil those guys in. Forget it. Write those guys in pen. You know, those three guys, if they're healthy, you should be looking at all-stars, right? These are the best players in the game in a lot of senses. And then on the other side, you have Clay Holmes, Nestor Cortez, and Jose Trevino, who, if you guessed one of them, would be an all-star. You know, you're ridiculous. You're you know, if mind. you guessed three, you know, you're a witch. So, it, but but that it, that is how this team is built right now. That is what this team has done this year. Yes, Aaron Judge has been remarkable. Garrett Cole has been remarkable. But the reason that this team is 731 games above 500 as we go into the All-Star break is not just because of those guys. It's because, you know, they go out, I think, like April 1st or whatever it was, and get Jose Trevino. It's because last year, when everyone, you know, is looking at Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo in the one hand, in the other hand, Brian Cashman's reaching out and grabbing Clay Holmes. You know, it's because Nestor Cortez, who apparently... Aaron Boone told in spring training, if you believe their conversation, that he was going to be an all-star. Well, you know what? Maybe Aaron Boone is that one guy. But all all these little things, look, there are a lot of teams having good seasons, and and there are a lot of great players having great seasons. But you don't put together a year the way the Yankees have right now without just every single person bringing every single piece of himself to that box score and to that clubhouse in a sense. And that's why you can go into a season looking at, you know, okay, I guess Kyle Higashioka and maybe Ben Rortvet or whatever. And then no, it's Jose Trevino who steps in there, does amazing things all year. And, 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 and thankfully, really, truly thankfully gets rewarded as an all-star. And I, and I think that that it's just such a great thing I'm looking forward to about Tuesday night, because the fact is the all-star game, Al, you'll be there this year. You all, who are listening to this, I assume know this. Certainly in this room, we know this. The All-Star Game is about the player introductions. Those introductions are the mo- that that is what being an All-Star is. And, you know, you heard it a little bit in the Sunday night game. You heard it referenced in some ways. You know, what it means to be an All-Star is that Jose Trevino is an All-Star for the rest of his life. 
you know, this is going to be something that is going to be on his baseball reference page, on his Wikipedia entry. Maybe it'll be in his obituary someday, you know, MLB All-Star Jose Trevino. And that is the magic of All-Star Week. It's not whether he makes it into the game and if he goes 0 for 2 against whatever pitcher. No, it's because before his name for the rest of his life, he's MLB All-Star Jose Trevino. Yeah, it's a, it's a seminal accomplishment for any player, you know, <clears throat> whether it's Aaron Judge making it for the umpteenth time or Giancarlo Stanton, Garrett Cole, whatever. But there's something really special about making it for the first time because now you, like you just said, now you are an all-star. It can never be taken away. And it's a, it's a seminal accomplishment for, for everybody who's who's ever done it. It's a special thing. It's funny you kind of talk about this because, as you guys know, I'm kind of you know, racking my brain in terms of what my story is going to be, not to give too much away for the August issue, but just to that point, I agree. The story is not whether Jose Trevino goes one for two or two for two or 0 for two or whatever, like that will also be forgotten. But the story really is how unique these six different stories are. These six all-star stories are so unique to even the, even the three superstars are pretty unique in of themselves. And certainly when you kind of square them off against the three first timers, uh, it's it, there's, there's six remarkable stories uh, and, and it's really exciting. And John, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that these six guys are so indicative of this team and why it's so successful. But you look beyond that and it's like, I mean, It'd be pretty greedy to say we had any all-star snubs when we got six players going. But, I mean, you could certainly make a case for, you know, the Michael Kings and the Anthony Rizzo's to be going to L.A. as well. But then, I mean, all the way down the roster, you know, I know some of these guys aren't having the best seasons of their careers, but all of them have contributed. And I think what also is worth noting is that their teammates are always, like, just so subtly building them up, even when they are going through struggles. And, um, you know, I, I thought one of the really cool sections in the Q&A with Trevino is when he talked about Kyle Higashioka and just how, uh, you know, important he has been to Trevino's success this year. I mean, it speaks in volumes about Higgy. I mean, to, to think about somebody he's competing with for time and him being the most helpful guy, it's, you know... That in and of itself was like when you're going through a Q&A and you have, you know, you have to boil down, you know, 4,000 words into 2,000 or whatever it ends up being. It's like when I saw that as a tribute to him, I'm like, that has to stay in. People need to know what he's been, what he is and who he is. I mean, that's never coming out. That was just something I think I read 26 times. Just I was like, wow, what a, what a special thing. It speaks volumes also about the type of makeup that this team has and what their goals are and w- what these guys care about. It's it's a it's a pretty cool thing. I'm glad you pointed that out, Nathan. So it's it's a fantastic Q and A. It's called "As Fate Would Have It," and yeah, I mean, God, sometimes the headline tells the story, right? <laughs> but it, it's terrific. It'll be up on our website on Friday, the fifteenth. So I hope I hope you all check it out. And guys, we are. Rushing right into the All-Star break here, Al, we look forward to seeing what you come back from L.A. with because, I mean, we're pretty close to being done with our August issue. And it's kind of crazy to think about where we are in the year. And and, and just, again, I mean, every day you kind of look at those standings and, God, they're 
they're they're doing real well. <laughs> but <laughs> it's been, again. It's, it's it's been a fun year. I think that we all have a fun second half to look forward to, and I know that we look forward to continuing to mine and tell stories like the ones we've been able to thus far this year and continue to be surprised by some of the stories that we don't know about yet, whether it's our June cover guy, Nestor Cortez, or the star of this Q&A, Jose Trevino. So, Nate, Al, let's uh, let's keep finding this stuff and let's keep, uh, let's keep winning and let's keep uh, telling good stories about it. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. And to everyone else, of course, thank you for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you will subscribe, rate, review, do all the great stuff that truly does help us. We uh, love coming at you every other week. We're grateful that you let us take that two-week break, and now we are ready to go for the rest of the season and rest of the year, really. So stick with us there. Of course, we want to know what you think. Please send us letters to podcast at yankees.com if you want to give us ideas for things that we can talk about or complain about things we didn't talk about, anything like that. You can also send letters to letters at yankees.com to discuss anything you see in the magazine because, of course, we would also like you to read and subscribe to that. You can pick up Yankees Magazine throughout Yankee Stadium or retail stands throughout the New York area, or you can call 800-GO-YANKS to buy single issues or subscriptions to Yankees Magazine and, of course, yearbooks and media guides as well. You can read our long-form content at yankees.com magazine, and, of course, we hope that you will follow us on social media at Yanks Magazine on Twitter and on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. That's all for this time. See you next time, and go Yanks! Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.